Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Game Time with Manny. Once again, it has taken me a little bit longer than I would have liked to get to the podcast. Um, but I had a good I had a good excuse this time, other than the fact that I was lazy. I wanted to do this one about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And as many of you know, the Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild came out uh, right at the beginning of March. And in order to talk about the game, I wanted to be able to complete it. And it took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to because the game is huge. There is so much in Breath of the Wild that it is actually crazy. Um, but I really enjoyed myself and I cannot wait to talk to you about it. So that's what we're going to talk about this time. We're going to chat it up about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's game time. <laughs> So March 3rd, the Nintendo Switch was finally released, um, and I have been looking forward to it for a very long time. Uh, the last episode of the podcast, I talked about uh, the Switch uh, kind of like press conference that Nintendo gave a bit before it came out, uh, which detailed a lot of the features and what the system actually was, um, and it turned out to be exactly what they said. It is a handheld and a home console at the same time. Um, there are a couple issues, like the left Joy-Con controller doesn't always work properly for me, um, and there aren't a whole lot of games, but th this this episode where we're not here to talk about the intricacies of the Switch and a lot of those things will change and whatever, uh, but we're here to talk about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which did release for the Nintendo Switch as a launch game, but it also came out on the Wii U. Um, and as far as I am aware, and I have seen, uh, early on there were rumblings that the Wii U version was not quite as good and had a lot more frame rate issues and things like that. Uh, now that we're a couple weeks out from release, it does not seem that that is the case. Um, it seems like one of the publications that was putting out that info was just doing it for fun, um, and there really seems to be no uh, issue uh, with the Wii U version as compared to the Switch version. Um, th I'm going to be quite honest, they both seem like they have uh, some severe frame rate issues. Uh, it depends where you are, but like if you're in an area with a lot of people and like a lot of vegetation, the frame rate kind of like tanks, which I, normally that kind of thing bothers me, but for some reason in this game, it doesn't really get to me that much. Um, and so that's cool. Yeah, I, I would recommend this game to anyone. Like, if you can get a Switch, if you have enough money to get a Switch and it's something you're looking forward to, Zelda is a great game. But if you don't have that money and you have a Wii U instead, um, definitely get it there instead. Because I, while I think that the Switch is really cool, I think that if you are a fan of Nintendo or just a fan of Zelda in general, like, Breath of the Wild will be your jam. Um... And, and I say that as someone who really likes The Legend of Zelda. Um, it's very important to me and my history with video gaming. Um, 
but I, I, I guess I don't know that. I, I have only really talked to a couple people in person about this game, and they also seem to enjoy it. But, but I don't know if you're like a super diehard, like traditional Zelda person, that if this will be up your alley. Because while it is Zelda and has like a lot of the trappings of a Legend of Zelda game, it is a lot different. And that is one of the reasons why I think it is so, so cool. Um, and, and it works on so many different levels. Uh, the, the last, the last major Zelda game that came out was Skyward Sword, um, and that came out for the Wii, and it's, it's actually one of the last games that I wrote a full-fledged review for. I've kind of moved away from doing that, um, because I have, like, mixed feelings on reviews and what review scores mean and things like that. Uh, also, I think when I personally review things that it's, it, it hasn't been as helpful, uh, to me or anyone who's reading it, uh, I might get back into it at some point, but... I, I don't really know. Um, I actually, I reviewed Skyward Sword uh, fairly, fairly favorably, um, mainly on the merits that it was a solid Zelda game. I think it did have a lot of issues, and Skyward Sword made me realize that the Zelda formula that they had been using more or less since Zelda began was kind of getting stale. Um, and I know people get really upset and really angry when people say that, but I, with Skyward Sword, I definitely noticed that to be the case. Zelda games are like the same formula all the time, right? Like you play as Link and he is the hero of Hyrule and his entire goal is to more or less save Princess Zelda. And to do that, you go through the game and you meet a cast of weird characters, get some items that will help you out. You use those items to beat specific dungeons and there are set dungeons and a set way to do everything, right? And that was, uh, I, I don't know, something about Skyward Sword just made it seem like, while this is still a cool concept, I don't know that I will be able to do it again. Um, and is the last major console Zelda game, Skyward Sword did that, and I even said in my review, like, yo, I, I don't think that this will hold up under scrutiny if done again. And then the game that they did after that was for the 3DS, and it was a sequel to the Super Nintendo Zelda game, A Link to the Past. It was called A Link Between Worlds, um, and that game was excellent. Uh, when you try to say, like, hey, we're making a sequel to one of the most beloved Zelda games ever, it, normally that comes off as, like, what are you even doing? You're setting yourself up for failure. Like, why would you tie this to a link to the past why would it be in the same world um but but it worked out i actually really liked that game and one of the things that they did was try to change up the formula so instead of like going to the each dungeon in a specific order um you could rent all the items you would need and go to any dungeon in any order because you would have all the items you needed and like that really worked well and made it a little bit more open um, and it seems like they learned from that, uh, because people responded very positively. I remember the reviews of that game being, like, pretty stellar, and I, I myself enjoyed it quite a bit. And now we're here with Breath of the Wild, and I have probably written about it before, or, like, talked about it on a podcast, or, like, on video, or something like that, where when they first showed Breath of the Wild and, like, announced the concept, I thought, like man, it's cool that they're going to try something different, but, like, this could backfire in a way that no one will ever see coming. Um, so they basically said, like, hey, we're, like, shaking up the regular Zelda formula, and it's going to be, like, a fully open-world Zelda game. And I guess 
when most people think of open world games, like, sure, technically, like, Ocarina of Time and most Zelda games after it have been, uh, quote-unquote, open world games because you can kind of like go anywhere um but when people say open world now they mean games like uh grand theft auto or skyrim or something like that where there's this huge explorable world and you don't necessarily have to like be going towards your main objectives or anything like that and i i guess we just kind of need a new definition for what open world is that really is really what that means but Breath of the Wild is more like traditional open, open world. Um, and I remember one of the first times they showed it, which infuriates me whenever uh, companies do this. They'll like be showing their demo and they'll be like, you see that mountain? Like you can actually go there. The world is so huge and immersive. And it's like, there is nothing less I want to do than like walk across the world to go climb a mountain. Because in most open world games, it's like, yeah, dude, I can climb this mountain, but like, there's nothing up there. Like, why do I even care? Why do I want to go up this mountain? And that is the problem that I thought that Breath of Wild was Breath of the Wild is gonna have. Um, because you you never know, right? Like Nintendo is one of those companies that, while being brilliant, more often than not shows that they are like so severely out of touch with what modern consumers want um, that it's like it's kind of it's kind of scary sometimes. Like I, I feel like I still feel this way. Like they accidentally uh, made the Wii popular, um, and then like because right after the Wii U tanked, right? So it, it's just very odd. They're an odd company and they make very odd decisions. Um, but I, di- I did agree that Breath of the Wild needed to be something new, and I'm glad that it is in the end. Um, I-, I will definitely say that it did not backfire on them, uh, because Breath of the Wild has gotten like ridiculous, ridiculous universal praise um, from all kinds of people. People who like Zelda, people who did not like Zelda in the past, and it's one of those things that I don't, I don't really like to harp on, uh, but like Metacritic is a website that uh, records, like, major publications' review scores in aggregate. So, like, say, like, I don't know, like, GameSpot gave it a 10 out of 10, and then, like, Giant Bomb gave it a 5 out of 5, which would equal 100 in both those cases. Um, and then they they basically just give all review scores in aggregate. And it blew my mind when the embargo was up for Breath of the Wild that I went to Metacritic and the overall score was 98 out of 100. And, like, normally that will happen uh, early on. Like, some publications will get the game before others and put up their reviews, and then a couple will will be favorable, but then later on, like, lower ones will trickle in. And, like, when I saw that it was taking 56 review scores in aggregate, um... And it was at 98, like, my mind was just like, there's no way this game can be that good. Um, and it just kept going. Like, I I still think it's around that high. I don't know that it's quite 98 anymore. It might be, like, 95 or 96. But the point is, it's like it's universally praised, right? And I still couldn't believe it. But once you play Breath of the Wild, I think that it becomes abundantly clear that Nintendo did know what they were doing uh, with the direction of Breath of the Wild. So it's going to sound really stupid, but the world is actually huge. 
and I, a lot of open world games tout that their world is super big. And then, like I said earlier, like they're just filled with nothing. Um, and I was very afraid that this game was going to have that problem, but like it doesn't. And it, it makes me upset to say this, but like breath of the wild is one of those rare exceptions that makes good on the like hey see that mountain you can go there because you can one literally climb the mountain uh because link can climb almost any climbable surface uh as long as you have enough stamina um and nine times out of ten there will be something worth your time at the top of that mountain like it's not just like oh man i got to this mountain now what i guess i can jump off like more often than not there will be like a chest up there or like some npcs that you might be able to interact with or uh, a shrine many 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 different things and uh, that is one of the things that i think is really cool uh, one thing that I guess you, I have seen a lot of people cribbing on Breath of the Wild for is it, it does take things from open world games of the past, like five or 10 years. Right. And while it's taking a lot of those ideas, it executes on them in a way that makes them good. Right. So I, I personally, have been saying this for like two years now is that I am so sick of open world games because more often than not, they are filled with nothing and the story suffers because it is an open world game because everything isn't as concise. So it's harder to control where the player is going and control the pace of the narrative. So I I don't know. Open world games have been slowly grading on me, but every so often one will come out that will just be like, amazing and uh, open world games have been stealing from each other since their inception right and like a lot of the things that breath of the wild does are taken like straight out of ubisoft games right like one of the things that link can do is climb towers and then when he's at the top of the tower it will open up that section of the map and that is like like not even an exaggeration like you do that in every ubisoft game you do that in far cry you do that in watchdogs like you do it in every single one of their games right and what happens in ubisoft games is like then the map that was the part of the map that was revealed to you will have like hundreds of icons like oh here's this thing and this thing and this thing and then me personally i am like obsessive about like trying to go to all of those points that are shown on the map and that drives me insane because most of those things will be like boring or like not even worth your time but I still feel like I have to do it and Breath of the Wild takes that away because while it will open up a section of the map it just shows you the topography basically so you'll like you'll know that there's a mountain somewhere or like if it's just like a valley and things like that and you can kind of see where like cities are it depends uh on the city and things like that but it will just show you the topography of the world right and like the coolest thing is then it doesn't mark it with a bunch of stupid icons so it like it basically says like explore this area like there's still stuff to find and like uh, when you're looking off the tower like you'll see something in the distance and you can mark it and then like it's cool to be able to go there the thing that amazes me the most about breath of the wild is it brings back exploration for me in a way that matters right because 
in most games now, video games, everything is so way into holding your hand, right? Like, I play uh, Inazuma 11 on stream uh, every Wednesday, right? And right now I'm playing uh, the last game in the franchise that was released, uh, Inazuma 11 Go Galaxy, and it's in Japanese, and I, I can't read Japanese, but I never don't know where to go because there's always an arrow that's huge on the map pointing me exactly where to go. And that is the case with most games. They they're, most games now are designed to be completed. They are designed so that the player finds as much as they can because it's like they made that and they want you to see it, right? But on the other hand, people just have less patience now, I think. And like most people want to be directed to the cool things in a video game when they paid $60 for it, right? And I'm not trying to say that uh, Breath of the Wild will not respect your uh, decision to spend $60, because it certainly does. It just... It's not as hand-holdy as most old games, and the fact that it doesn't give you all those icons and things until you have discovered them uh, makes exploration matter, and it makes exploration feel super exciting. Like, when you mark something on your map and you get over there and it is actually super cool, like it is a, a stable or it's a shrine or something, like, it feels good. Like, I, your endorphins are firing, at least mine were, like, oh man, this, this is cool, I discovered this, I did this, I rule. And I, I have probably said this before as well, but... I think the reason why I still play video games now and, like, play them as much as I do is because of Ocarina of Time. Um, and most people consider Ocarina of Time to be one of the best video games of all time. Certainly one of the best Zelda games of all time. And there was a reason for that. Like, Zelda making that transition to 3D was crazy. And, like, it was revolutionary at the time and even then as a kid I remember like my friends would have it and I didn't have an N64 then and I would like play through the first couple of dungeons over and over again because somehow my save file would get like miraculously deleted every time I hadn't played the game for more than a couple weeks and just like I remember having that sense of the same sense of wonder, like thinking that everything was so cool and like finding secrets and things like that was just like so awesome. And it's one of those things where I still feel this way. I think about it from time to time. Like there was a pivotal point in my life where like I could have been the person who like fell away from video games at that time and like then got more into like sports and things like that. Uh, more physical activity, but instead I played Ocarina of Time, and then I decided at that moment, like, I'm going to focus most of my free time on video games instead of, like, doing anything else, and, like, Ocarina of Time is definitely that for me, like, it is a, a very special game, uh, and I, I still think back on it fondly and all that kind of stuff. And Breath of the Wild, like, in, it brought out some of that same feeling in me, which is, like, sometimes, don't get me wrong, I like playing video games a lot, otherwise I wouldn't do all these videos and record these podcasts and things like that, but sometimes it can feel more like a chore when you're playing a modern game, because everything ends up feeling like a checklist, right? It's like, oh, I have to see this content, and this, and this, and this, and that that can get kind of like strenuous almost it ends up making things sort of less enjoyable N not all the time but it, it depends 
And Breath of the Wild is more just like, hey man, like do your own thing, free flow, and explore. And I just, it makes me feel so good. I, like, I beat it two days ago, and right now, even as I'm recording this podcast, I'm still thinking about it. I'm thinking about there are areas of the map that I did not explore as much as I could, and, and there could be things there for, for me to go see. And so, I, I guess now is about the time where maybe I should have done it a little bit earlier, but I'll, I'll just explain uh, the the base concept of Breath of the Wild. Um, you, instead of having, like, a, like, 10 20 minute opening or in the case of most modern games like a couple hour opening that gives you like all of these tutorials and tells you exactly how to play the game and what you're supposed to do um link just wakes up basically out of like this cryogenic sleep chamber in this place called the i think it was the shrine of awakening um he gets up out of it and is like man that's that's weird and he picks up his tablet right it's a tablet it's called the Sheikah Slate he puts it in a little holster and just goes out there in the world like you are more or less just like hey this is the world do it tells you like jack shit you don't you don't know how to do anything and that's so cool like I cannot stress enough how little hand holding this game does um, because it puts you out into that open world, and then the game kind of funnels you from that point into a couple different things uh, before it opens up truly. Uh, you have to upgrade the Sheikah Slate by going to these four shrines to get the four basic powers that will uh, basically help you solve any puzzle in the game. So the main thing that is different about Breath of the Wild in comparison to other Zelda games is, uh, other than the fact that you can just go anywhere at the beginning almost... Um, you don't get items throughout the game that, like, help you solve specific puzzles. These four runes, they're called, that you upgrade the Sheikah Slate with are the four things that you will need to solve, I would say, 99% of all the puzzles in the game, right? So... One of them is uh, you can make unlimited bombs, which people who have played previous Zelda games will be thankful for that uh, because you have to buy bombs and you use bombs for a lot of things in previous Zelda games. And th th this one is no different, but you can make unlimited bombs. Uh, there are two types. One is like a square, so it doesn't roll. And the other one is irregular round bomb, which can like roll and be affected by physics. Um, and so you can you throw those and then you can detonate them and that's pretty cool. Uh, there is the magnesis uh, rune, which basically anything that is metal you can use the magnesis rune on and then like move it around with, like a magnet. Um, and then there is one that stops time. I can't remember what that one is called, but basically most objects you can use it on um, and it will just stop time for it. So like say there's like a, a ball and you stop time on it and you like hit it a bunch of times, an arrow will come off of it showing the direction that the momentum that you gave it is headed in. And once it unfreezes, that object will move in that direction. So depending on how much force you used, it might like fly away or just move a little bit. Um, but you can use that for puzzles. And then there's another one called, like, Cryonis? I, I don't remember their names, but it's basically, it, the picture is a little snowflake, and it makes it so that you can make, like, towers of ice up out of uh, any water or, like, liquid substance. So it, like, allows you to kind of, I don't know, like, make platforms in water and things like that. 
Um, and those might not sound like a lot, uh, but they will help you solve literally almost every puzzle in the game. Um, so there's very few times when you come up to something and you're like, oh, I definitely can't solve this. I'll have to come back later. Like you can just use any of those and you know that you have the tools at your fingertips, right? So it's really cool when you like, oh, this puzzle's really challenging, but you know you can solve it. And then it makes it even more satisfying when you do solve it. And... So basically, like, uh, an old man tells you to get these, and you, once you get all four of those, you can leave what's called the, I believe it's like the Great Plateau, and it, once you get all those, you are given a, uh, basically, um, a paraglider, so that you can paraglide off there, and then the world is just truly open, like, you can go anywhere once you paraglide off that plateau, uh, but the plateau is cool because it, like, it gives you... It, it, like, tries to rationally teach you the different mechanics of the game. Like, it it introduces you to weapons and how they degrade and break and how you need more weapons and what specific types of weapons do. It teaches you how to use all of those four runes. Um, it teaches you that there can be varying climates, like there will be snow, and it's really cold, and Link will get, like, super chilly, and it will hurt him if he is not prepared. So you can cook... Uh, and by cooking specific ingredients, you can make dishes that make Link immune to cold for a certain amount of time, or, like, he can be immune to heat and things like that. Uh, he can get more attack, more defense, all kinds of stuff you can make with food, right? And you get all kinds of ingredients. And so the whole first, the, the plateau teaches you that. But then, like I said, once you get off that plateau, you can do anything. You can go anywhere. And that is where the game truly just... It, my mind exploded when I realized how big that map was, more or less. Um, and there are just there are so many interesting me mechanical decisions that I would think wouldn't work, but they do. Like, I, I mean, I'm still just like in shock every time I think about how this is a truly open world Zelda game and it works and seems like it's paced well. The other thing that I find baffling that I actually like is the weapon system. So I personally cannot stand weapon degradation in video games. Like in Dark Souls, like you can't, once you use your weapon enough, it will like break or like do less damage and things like that. And then you have to go repair it. Like usually repairing items and like degradation and stuff like that just sucks. It makes things not fun usually. Um, so, like, in Zelda, you can, like, every enemy will have a weapon, and so, like, you can steal their weapon, or, like, you'll have one, and you'll use it a couple times, and it might break, and, like, once it breaks, it's gone, like, it's, you just broke, um, but every enemy will at least have a weapon, so if you kill them, or you do enough damage to them, you can take theirs, and... Instead of being annoying, you can hold enough weapons at first that it's not that big a deal, and you can upgrade your uh, inventory later to hold even more. So, like, by the end of the game, I have, like, 13, 14 weapon slots, so I'm carrying 13, 14 different weapons that all have different effects. Uh, but it it's one of those things where normally you would, like find a weapon that you liked and just use that type for the whole game but because the weapons break so often and there are so many different types it actually kind of forces you as a player to experiment more and do different things because like personally it's like it's a zelda game 
I would have just used swords the whole time. But then you find out, like, oops, I don't have any swords. Like, this dude's got a spear. Like, I think spears are dope in Breath of the Wild. I really like them. You can kind of just, like, thrust out five times really quick. And it they work really well. So there are, like, swords, boomerangs, like, big, huge claymores and things like that. And you just, you experience all of them. And you end up having types you like and types you don't. And they have, like, uh, damage stats on them, so, like, a, a basic club you might get from an enemy in the first area will have, like, four attack, but by the end of the game, you'll be picking up, like, swords that do, like, 40, 50 damage, and so, like, I, I don't know. There's just, there are so many things to discover and so many different weapon types. It just, oh, thinking about it still gets me so excited. And weapon, like, that weapon system seems, in my brain, like, if you just described it to me, like, it would be terrible, but in practice, it works. And I feel like that is what Breath of the Wild is in a nutshell. Like, me describing it, uh, like, I probably sound genuinely excited because I am, but just hearing about it, it's like, that doesn't sound that great. But then you play it. And it's like you're being actually transported to another world. And that is one of the things I really like about video games is being immersed in a different world. And the sense of immersion in Breath of the Wild is like, it, it did it for me. Like, I got lost for hours and hours. Um, and so, like, as for traditional Zelda stuff, there are still, like, dungeons. But you, there are only a couple and I don't want to spoil what they are, uh, but there are still, like, more traditional dungeons. They're not quite as long as, like, uh, a traditional Zelda dungeon would be, but they still have, like, a decent amount of puzzles and things in them, and so that's really cool. Um, but the way you're going to get your main Zelda puzzle fix is, like I said in the beginning, you go to four shrines to get those runes. Uh, but after that, there are still, like, about 116 shrines left to find, and they're scattered all throughout the world. So what'll happen is, like, there are these, like, kind of, like, uh, little stone shrines that have, uh, they're red. They have, like, these weird red pulsing, like, futuristic vein things on them. Uh, and, like, you'll get to one, Link will put his tablet slash Sheikah Slate in there, and then it will turn uh, the front part of the shrine blue, and that means that you can fast travel to it. So, on top of them being, like, cool puzzles, you can also, they're also used as a fast travel system, so it makes it so that you can get around the world a lot quicker, and, like, that's really awesome and super convenient. Uh, but then you go inside and like, there's an elevator that will take you down inside each shrine. And they're basically all like mini puzzles. Like it's one puzzle that you might find in a traditional Zelda dungeon. Uh, let me try to think of an example of one. Uh, th there was, there was like one where, uh, you have like, there, there's a shoot. There, there, there is a metal door at the bottom of like a pool of water right and you'll have to figure out that you need to use magnesis to pull that metal door out and use it as a bridge to get over a gap and like that's just a super basic example of one of the early ones but at the end there will be like this kind of like weird like corpse husk of like an old lady or an old man inside this like weird cage and you'll go up to it and you'll hit a and then like the cage thing will like explode outwards and it looks really cool and then you'll have a chat with the weird dead corpse looking thing i still don't know why they look dead but that's uh, who cares 
Uh, and then they will give you a spirit orb. And so a spirit orb is essentially like something from an old Zelda game, like a heart container. Uh, whereas in like previous Zelda games, you would get four heart, uh, four heart pieces and it would get you a heart container, which would get Link an extra heart. Um, so now you just need four spirit orbs and then you can pray at statues around the world. And then you'll be able to, once you have four of those, you can either get some stamina or you can get a heart. And so stamina is something that is like almost completely new in Breath of the Wild, and it is something that I think most people will want more than health. So anytime you climb something or run, Link will use stamina. And stamina is not a system that is like foreign to a lot of video game players. Uh, like running will almost always do that. People can't run forever, right? So that's a mechanic that was introduced in most things. Uh, but where stamina will really come into play is climbing. And like I said before, like any surface that is like not shiny or wet, you can climb. Like Link can just climb up like a fucking sheer cliff face, which is insane. Like he's got to have like magic hands to be able to hold on to a mountain that tight. But once you realize you can do that, it like changes your whole view on the game because you're like, I can literally go anywhere and it's crazy. Um, so in the beginning, you don't have a whole lot of stamina, so you can't, like, climb super high things. But as you get more stamina, like, you can basically just, like, literally climb up the sides of mountains. And it allows you to get to a lot more places. And that is super cool. Uh, so I think most people who are going to play are going to want to go more for stamina as opposed to hearts. But that isn't to say that, like, hearts don't really matter. Uh, like, you can get armor that will have stats associated with it. So, like, in the beginning, you have armor that has, like, three on each. So you you have uh, a headpiece, a uh, chest piece, and, like, a uh, bottom, basically. And so, like, normally, like, you start off with, like, nine armor or something. But you can upgrade that armor. Uh, you can find different armor sets. And, like, certain armor sets will have, like, uh, stat boosts associated with them. Like, some of them can, like, make you stay warm forever so you don't have to make potions and stuff like that. Um... And so, like, you can upgrade your armor in that way, so, like, you'll take less hearts of damage from enemies, but it feels kind of weird to say this, because most Zelda games are generally, like, made to be completed, uh, just like most modern video games, and so, like, it was never super difficult, but, like, Breath of the Wild can get pretty savage. The, I More often than not, I would, like, get hit by an enemy and just, like, straight up die, even if I have full health. Or, like, even near the end, like, I had a ridiculous amount of hearts, and most hits would take away, like, half. And, like, it is just, it is savage in that way. So many different things can kill you, and normally that's frustrating, but you come back to life so quick and the checkpointing and save auto saving is so good that it doesn't really matter. And once again, it encourages you to like experiment with combat scenarios. Um, and combat scenarios can get pretty wild. Uh, people post things on Twitter like every day that can happen in battle and just around the world that I never even would have thought of. Like one of the really cool things is like, say you like hit an enemy and they drop their weapon and then like you take it and you have it in your hand. Like one of the really cool things is they'll point at you and like start yelling and be like, that's my weapon. Like it's ridiculous. Uh, I have seen big, goblin guys throw little dudes at you to try to damage you i have seen them take my weapon once i have dropped it i have seen them like 
I drew, threw a bomb at them and they like picked it up and threw it back because they're not dumb enough to just like get hit by it and stuff like that is just it's so cool and it makes the world so interesting uh and even outside of battle there's just crazy things you would never think of like if it starts to rain randomly and there's a, there's a thunderstorm if you are wearing anything that's metal it will strike you and kill you so like you have to unequip metal things when it's raining out which like that's really crazy um if it's raining you can't really climb because the rain will be like going down the surface and so like it makes it slippery so you have to wait until it's not raining uh you can tame wild horses and some of them are better than others uh you can like crouch to catch bugs there's just like there, there's so many cool interesting things to figure out like one of the things the other day is you get a lot of uh rusty weapons and there is a long time zelda enemy in octorok uh in a specific one near the volcano area they suck in um, and so, like, if you throw a rusty sword out, they will suck it in, and when they spit it out, it will no longer be rusty, and stuff like that is just crazy. I didn't know until near the end of the game, uh, there are a lot of these enemies called, like, guardians, or, like, they're, like, ancient robot dudes, and they shoot these crazy lasers that do a buttload of damage. I didn't figure out until the very end of the game that if you, like, try to parry with your shield at the last second, you can reflect their freaking lasers back at them to do a lot of damage to them and like just little things like that are so cool and so fun to discover and it just ah it makes me so happy thinking about breath of the wild um and so like as for story uh because it is an open world game i do not think that the narrative is necessarily as strong as it has been in previous games not to say that like zelda games have some like masterful storytelling in them or something it's usually just like hey i'm link i gotta go save princess zelda uh and, and without spoiling it i will say that link is interesting in this game uh i think more so than he has been in previous games because of how uh his relation to the world and how people react to him when they see him and things like that uh the, the plot is interesting, and I, and I think they pulled an interesting trick in a lot of the trailers uh, that becomes very apparent once you have gotten a little ways into the game. And, like, just the fact that Nintendo would be willing to, like, kind of, like, pull a small trick on people in a trailer is, like, kind of new and interesting as opposed to just, hey, we're giving you everything at face value. Uh, so, so I do think that the plot of Breath of the Wild is interesting. I think they could have gone a little bit farther with it and had a couple more story moments, but it all comes together. And in the end, it is the same serviceable Zelda story that it's always been. Your Link save Zelda, beat Ganon, and, like, that is that is what you can do. Uh, and it is true, uh, as Nintendo said, you can just run straight from the beginning of the game to go fight Ganon. Uh, it will probably be very difficult because it's super freaking hard to get to Ganon uh, in the castle, but at any time, like, in the middle of the map, you see Hyrule Castle and you see Ganon's weird influence and, like, you just know that, like, hey, I could go in there right now, but I got a couple more things I want to do. I got a few more shrines I want to explore. And that's just really cool that you can do that. And I have probably said that's really cool, like, 900 times in this podcast so far. But I, I cannot stress enough to you how, like, super psyched it makes me that Nintendo was willing to actually allow The Legend of Zelda to be different than it used to be. 
Um, and while I think that this may not appeal to everyone, I think that this is a critically important step for Nintendo. It makes me have faith that they will be able to put out cool, new, interesting stuff on the Switch. That they are willing to take these old franchises that have been stuck in their ways for so long and try something that is genuinely new and interesting, while at the same time still holding on to some of the values that made those old games what they were. Like, it's entirely the case that, like, Breath of the Wild will be an anomaly, and then, like, when Super Mario Odyssey comes out, we'll just be like, ah, it's just Mario 64 again, but it's got prettier graphics on the Switch. Like, that could very well happen, but it gives me hope, it gives me faith that they will be able to move on. And I mean, like, Breath of the Wild isn't the first thing that has showed me that. Like, the fact that they put out Splatoon on the Wii U is enough to be like, oh, man, like, Nintendo has it in them to make a new IP. I just, I hope that they can continue making these risks, uh, and I hope that it pays off for them big time, because, like, the Switch is really cool. The portable slash home console aspect of it, that you could take it anywhere theoretically, is, like... It's a new interesting direction for Nintendo, and they could take it in a whole lot of places. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to me just, like, completely gush over Breath of the Wild. It's one of those things where, like, seriously, like, if you can play this game and, like, you are a fan of Zelda or you are a fan of interesting video games, like, do your please try it. And, like, I, I would love to hear uh, people's other people's opinions on it because it is... Uh, honestly it might be like my favorite zelda game now if not like one of my favorite zelda games it just is crazy and i (laughs) i may end this podcast and then go play it some more because i'm nuts uh but yeah the legend of zelda is very cool breath of the wild rules (laughs) and i i thank you for listening to this podcast And as every time, I have to tell you that our theme song is the song Sting Operation by the band Anamanaguchi. They are a super rad chiptune band. You should check them out if you haven't already. And that's all I got for this time. I will see you guys next time. Peace out.